how Ben's going to defend his other set of friends, people who visited Epstein Island. <laughs> The Social, Psycho, Confabulation, with Ben, and, Mr. A. I've seen these portable saunas. Oh. And you just sit in the sauna. Great. And just your head sticks out, which kind of defeats the purpose, but maybe you could just put your head in and just zip that <laughs> hole up and you can just be I need to be sweating. But I don't think podcast. that will help with the... Yeah, it won't, it, it won't help with the temperature regulation. I was, say, I was like, hmm, maybe I need to get really heated, literally, in the podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast cleanse. Mm. Yeah, you turn the body temperature up okay. and the bad thoughts come out. <laughs> you were texting me about something. Do you want to talk about that? I don't want to hear about your pet theories. <laughs> Garbage. Oh. <laughs> well, I I haven't done full... I've only done some preliminary uh, reading on the matter. And by reading, I mean listening. But I'm really interested in this theory because I'm of two minds of it. And we don't have to talk about it much now. I'm just This is just like a, a teaser, I guess is what they call it, for future content but basically i don't know how to say it without sounding really extreme but i think the extreme version does sound intriguing but i'm not crazy like okay here it is probably viruses don't exist oh my god <laughs> so oh that's my, my god now Stop. It's nuanced because I don't think that there's no. Nothing, it's not nuanced. It's not like I, don't I think. Know what you mean. No, it's 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 nuanced because I think a lot of people. So I've heard where I'm hearing this from is obviously lots of people that don't know what they're talking about. They've just oh, heard other good. people say it, we like myself. But I've also heard from the sources, which are like doctors and medical people, researchers, whatever. And even some of them, like there's this one in particular, I can't remember his name, but I think I haven't read his book, but I feel like he's like not doing a fantastic job of explaining himself. So some of it sounds really intuitive and you're like, okay, but then there are all of these kind of like, okay, well, what about this case? What about that case? Like, what about these different things that people can observe? And he's not. He seems like he's being lazy about it. I feel like as a doctor, he's kind of given up, and he's like, whatever, fuck it, viruses don't exist. You know, just take my word for it, whatever. And then there's these... So I I finally came across some, like, more... Some younger doctors, and it's this husband-wife duo. And they were both doctors, and they both finally got out. She stayed in for a lot longer. And um, they seem to be onto it a little more. Like, they're really, really heavily researching it. And that's all I'll say for now. And some of the, so the reason why I find it interesting is because it, it started with like, so there's germ theory, mm. obviously, which is like just that germs exist and that they can like get you. Which then I guess that's oftentimes juxtaposed with 
or against or whatever uh, terrain theory. I and don't know about terrain theory. Terrain theory is more like, here's like a simple thing. Like germ theory is like you have a cut and I put a germ in it or whatever. And then you get sick from the germ and you die or something, you know, whatever. Terrain theory allows for like, you get a cut, I put a germ in it. Like this is like the basic terrain theory, not like the full fledged, nothing exists so terrain theory being like you get a cut, I put something in it and you don't get sick, but you don't get sick because of your terrain. Like your body is healthy. Like the terrain is non-conducive to getting sick. Whereas the person that does get sick, there's some reason they got sick and it's not the germ is not the difference. The difference is the terrain, which is obvious to me. And I don't even think that that's really that contested I necessarily. Just, yeah, I mean, you as know. you're saying, it kind of sounds like all or nothing either way. And it seems like to me the obvious answer would be that it's some relationship between that is the obvious answer. both the germs and the terrain, so to speak, or your body yes. state. So it starts getting nuanced when like people, so like this, some people would say like, well, if you have germs, like the germs themselves in the cut or whatever, are actually doing something and then there and this is actually known i think in other cases of like medical research that like it's not always actually the germ that makes you sick anyways although that is often a theory but that a lot of times it's like the byproduct of what's going on with the quote-unquote germs so like the bacteria doesn't make you sick in this case it's actually the like the bacteria byproduct so like the Everything eats and shits, basically. So you have too much bacteria eating and shitting in you. Mm. That's a problem. So it's like this other detri... I don't know, deterium... Whatever that stuff would be called. Detritus? I don't know. This other stuff, this crap that's like making you ill. And it's like a buildup of that. So that's just like a basic, basic thing. I have... I Mine is... I'm gonna, I want to look at different things. I want to look at... I think there's a huge difference between a bacteria and a virus, obviously. Like, they're so different. Well, yeah, that's not disputed. Right. Like, one is, like, literally, you can go buy a microscope off the shelf of a store and see bacteria. You cannot do that with a virus. In fact, you could barely see a virus at all. And when they do see them, it's with an electron microscope. And then furthermore, when they show them to you, they're showing you something nine times out of 10 that's not from the what they saw. It's a picture that they made in Adobe Photoshop, you know, like almost always. Mm. You've never seen a coronavirus. Everything they've ever shown you on TV is just a scary planetoid thing that's like not real, literally not like it's literally not. But virus. you could look at like the electron microscope photos. Yes. So there was a study done where they took pictures of viruses and pictures of they might have been a technical term because they're very specific in the study but essentially this thing called exosomes which is which look identical to a virus they could be a virus like that's what some people that's their theory like some medical people or researchers think that it's actually all exosomes what you're seeing and they're like capsules of genetic material which kind of also is the definition of a virus but that the difference is the exosome is actually your something the body's doing to get to expel 
some bad stuff versus there's this bad stuff that they're finding that's actually attacking you. And so this research they did, they basically took these like experts at like identifying viruses and using electron microscopes. And they found that they can, with like a 0% accuracy, can identify the difference. 0% accuracy. They cannot, these people cannot tell the difference. So it's pretty interesting stuff, in my opinion. At least from the photos. From, yeah, from the images, in which they very often use because it's such tiny stuff they're dealing with. Like it's viruses, a bacteria versus a virus is like, it's like a bowling ball versus a speck of dust. It's like you can't see one at all, and the other one is like massive comparatively. So you can actually like do stuff with with bacteria. Mm-hmm. And they're well, alive. there's definitely a range of sizes too. I think some bacteria are much larger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I even remember like being a kid in like elementary or whatever middle school, and they're like, viruses are not dead or alive. They're just, and I remember, I literally remember the picture exactly of what the virus was, and I'm like, that is, there is, even as a child, I was like no way interesting there's no way that is a virus it was like a spaceship with like it was hexagonal or something it had little legs with like joints in it and it had like a little thing that could like okay, poke in the whatever it was attacking and like put the stuff in i'm like i'm like what is this it doesn't even look like and now compared to the coronavirus i'm like it's not even similar what they were showing in the textbook so something's going on in my opinion with virology in particular well the exosomes theory, I don't know what it means. I don't know that it means viruses aren't real. Maybe it means we have the wrong understanding of them or an incomplete understanding of viruses, what they are, whatnot. Because um, people definitely do get sick. It's like something's yeah, it's going like, on. We can take pictures of right, something. Something. Um, but I did read a paper. But it's but here's the the analogy is like every time you see me like they used to actually think this, some like something weird like this back in the day. That like every time you see, a, you leave meat out, you know, and then it gets maggots. Every time I leave meat out, because I'm doing that all the time. If if you left meat out and you get like maggots, that like somehow the maggots are causing, is like a causal thing. Or a better example is like fire firemen are the cause of fires because every time you find a fire, there's always firemen, you know, spraying it with a bunch of water. Sure. So they clearly are the cause Correlation of it. Correlation like versus you have to causation. Right. And that's the big thing that they, I feel like has not been. So I'm like, I'm saying, I'm not saying people are looking in there and going, you can't look in here. No, 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 no. Let me just tell you what I'm seeing. Oh, it's viruses. I swear. No one can look though. I'm going to write a paper about that. It's not that. I think there's something and people just don't know. They're just literally are in a paradigm, sure. you know. Well, I did read this paper. Seeing. You sent me this weird pet theory. Um, which maybe there's something to it. Uh, I so the paper was about uh, vesicles versus viruses, which is like an exosome. An kinda. exosome is a vesicle outside of the cell. Um, right. So vesicles are sort of, and it appears to have a membrane yes, and everything. They are these little transport. Yeah. Uh, they're like little mini cells. Yeah. Bubbles. And they have like a yeah. phospholipid bilayer and. They transport things. Which which all cells have. Right, from yeah. inside to outside the cell or outside to inside. And they can carry all sorts of stuff in them. Um, Very often genetic material. I don't know 
how often. I'm not going to say very often. I just that is possible. Um, There's something in those things, and they claim to be able to kind of figure it out and they're like oh there's stuff in here like a sequence there's like sequences and like fragments of dna or something like something's in there sometimes yeah i don't want to say i think i don't know what is most common or whatnot um but yeah so that was what the paper was saying is that it's actually very difficult like some viruses share characteristics with vesicles and so they were saying it's like a definitional problem it's like particularly for retroactive viruses, which I guess are ones that are not highly active or replicating or something, sort of like dead viruses. They're saying it's almost identical to, like the what you would define that as is identical to what a vesicle might be. Some vesicles look like that. They have some genetic material in them, and they could be the same thing or could be classified as two you know, both a vesicle and as a retroactive virus. So they were showing this like spectrum kind of thing. They were like, here's the pure definition of a virus. And then here's the pure definition of a vesicle. And then there was like all this gray area in between like different variants of a virus, different variants of a vesicle. And they were like, and we don't really know, like, when does it become a vesicle? When does it become a virus? Like what's going on here? So I think maybe there's something like not to say that there's no different, like viruses don't exist, but maybe our understanding of them, you know, maybe all of these things are the same thing. Maybe we need a more integrated science, something like that. I could, I could buy that. Yeah, that's what, that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. Is that they have to be doing something. You know, N- not the viruses, the the scientists that you know what I mean. Like, I've heard the phrase "the high priests of the electron microscope" because it's like, on, like only the high priest can read this. Like only only we can look at this and read it to you, idiots. You know, kind of thing. And that is very much how that. Not every there are not many electron microscopes that can see viruses, and if you got one, they're like fifty kajillion dollars. Like, there's very few people that have access, and then to even be able to like get the lab to use it, you've got to be like a respected. Yeah, scientist, well, I know? mean, partly too, it's like X-rays. You do have to be trained a little bit, probably, to like know what you're looking at, yeah. know what you're seeing, right? Which is why that other research where they're like, "Hey, you can you just categorize these for us? We've got pictures of this and that and this and that. Like you just put them in the right categories and then they were like reliably wrong." Like like flip of a coin. Like at least you can't tell just on pictures. You can't yeah. tell. Yeah. So if, so when you say, "Well, we can see it in the electron microscope," it's like you need more. Sure. And sure. so there's like where's you got you can't rest on that. And it's like so yeah, and my first, the only reason I ever even thought this theory could be possible is literally because we live on really difficult land. It's very dirty. When it rains, we have watershed issues, like where the water you goes. You personally. In one of the places, the water, yeah. yes, us. And so one of the places the water likes to go is directly into a chicken coop that we have that's sheltered but has no ground really so it gets really nasty like this chicken coop can get really nasty and when you go in there to clean it like after you just had a big rainy spell and it finally dries out i mean there is shit literally shit like chicken poop shit shit. every all over the everywhere it's everywhere it's on it's like you you're just cup you don't know if you're holding handfuls of mud or shit it's really mud shit shit mud and it's like alive with mag. I mean, it's just discussed unbelievably. Like you would think if germs, if the theory were ger- 
strictly germ theory. Like if you get the germs, you will get sick, which is the kind of thinking that leads people to saying like, if there is a coronavirus and there is a vaccine, you have to get it. And if you don't and you contact the virus, you will have a prop. You know what I mean? It's like, which was the initial oh, sure. bullshit, which changed well, a thousand think... times over. And I never bought it because I'm like, if this is even close to true, I should have the most horrific case of E. coli and dysentery, listeria. It, yeah. I should have a well, trifecta of death inside of me. I think you're strawmanning a little bit. I don't think most people actually think that. I think that totally neglects personal health and you know immunity and whatnot. And I think those arguments are sort of baked into no, what yeah. people's thinking about. It. Like you could catch it. Maybe you don't get sick depending on who you right. are and your health and whatnot. But but most people's encounter with science is pop science, and by pop science I mean mm-hmm. popular science. And the popular science that they cl- they claim, when it's like from an official mouth hole, like Anthony fucking Fauci, Beep. that you're like, you this is real science. Mean, you have to follow the science, and you will die if you don't wear ten masks, and then not a mask. Sometimes when we say that, and then other times do wear it. If you see me without it, that's because I'm safe. And you're not. I don't know what's happening. Am I here still? Is any that guy? It's like these messages came out that they not that they weren't saying the nuanced thing that we're saying. Like, hey, you know how sometimes you don't actually get sick or things don't seem. To, they were saying something else, which was emergency, mm-hmm. emergency. This is how this works. You are going to kill everyone you know. You're a piece of shit if you don't get this vaccine or do what we say or go home or lose your life well, savings. Well, that's a little extreme, get but this they did bullshit say vaccine. Yeah. I mean, it's basically what they were saying. So, and then of course they backtrack half it. So, so my point is that you should just be able to trust those people. Unless I have to be a scientist too. Like, do I have to be a virologist in order to live my life, really? Because you're going to go out there and make claims that aren't directly saying something really fucked up. But if you just follow the logic, you go, oh, you're telling me a lie. It has to be a lie because what you really ought to be telling me is how come some people can eat a tablespoon of shit every week, me, literal chicken shit, and not get any, have no problems. I mean, we have like thousands, okay, hundreds of eggs a season, maybe thousands, I don't know. And like 50% of them at least have shit on them and we don't clean the eggs because if you clean the eggs and you have to store them in the refrigerator but if you don't clean the eggs everything's fine so we just leave them and then i usually don't even clean them before i crack them i just kind of crack it on the side and try not to chip any shit off into my eggs and if the shit does come off i probably don't see it and if i do see it i kind of just go with my finger and the eggshell and i get it out but okay yeah yeah so i'm just saying there's a vast chasm between those two worldviews and they're asking and I'm just people that are curious or thinking or have original thoughts in their head are left to fill that gulf of information and go, well, how do we get from here to there then? Like, I'm not going to get a vaccine. This is just what they said. I'm not like saying a statement. I mean, I'm not going to get a vaccine, (laughs) but I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying in thinking about it, I'm like, well, you, I'm not going to get a vaccine. If you're telling me something I can't, I'm experiencing the opposite of, you know what I mean? It's like, everybody has to have a steel umbrella because when you go outside, the rain is fire today. And then you go out and you're like, but my rain's not fire. So I'm not going to buy a steel, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to do the thing because it's not, it's not happening. I don't know what to tell you, you know, uh, well, 
So because of that golf, that chasm, whatever, that weird, that's just all very strange to me. And it makes me like, I just think about it a lot because I'm just always out there and I'm like, why am I not dead yet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah. Like what's happening? One of the things that seems <laughs> uh, really salient to me in particular about the medical establishment is. Can I just say one more oh, thing? You said so many things, but go ahead. I know, but <laughs> I need to point out that like, just go for it. Just monologue. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm, it's just one. I just have to make one caveat. I actually believe in bacteria and I think there's a lot of it in the chicken shit. So it's not, I'm actually saying, no, there is something in there and it's the stuff you say you see when you look at, I could get a microscope and see it too. So I know there's stuff in there. I just don't know what the fuck is happening Sure. Well, based on these two, you know, I mean, <laughs> just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I mean, that's kind of like a bigness uh, bias or something like I can only believe in things that I see, which is I mean, there are obviously things you can't see that are real um, and experience, though. But I'm actually saying, no, there's like Fauci saying there's ghosts. They're going to get you. And I'm like, I actually believe in ghosts, too, but I don't think they're going to get me. That's the difference. That's literally the only difference. Like there's invisible monsters everywhere. And I'm like, I don't know. I think you're like a little racist towards small things. Like I don't think they're all monsters. Well, maybe they're not all monsters. Some of them definitely can get you. Some of the things you don't know about or can't see. Some of them you, ha- you some of you, Some of you can trust a but little some, more. But some, not all yeah, of them you are can bad. Trust... Not everything you don't know is bad. You, pr- you don't, you, yeah, you probably don't want to trust E. coli. But maybe you, maybe you can trust E. coli when he's with his buddy, some other back, you know what I mean? That's in you all the time. The stu- you know what I mean? There's some, it's, the terrain is way right. more logical than the. Not all the coli is bad for you or whatever. You can look that up. That's actually true. Um, what I was saying. Anyways, we don't have to go on. That's just oh my, my pet God. Theory. I didn't get to say anything about but, it. You were like, can I make one more comment? I hadn't even made one comment. Hold on. Let me just say what I was oh, saying. Oh, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought you didn't want to talk about it. You said you didn't want to hear about my pet theories. You don't want to talk. I'm like, I'm just going to throw it out there for Look, the people. I just got to say, well, the one thing I was going to say, then we can move on, is similar to lots of things in the medical establishment, I think that there's like a sterility. What, what would you say? Um sterileness to the medical establishment where and it it mirrors the way that they think about things because in good experiments you want to isolate something to get the true effect like you want to eliminate exogenous variables and whatnot but then i think when you think about health i guess my personal take is that you want to think about balance you know you don't want to think about individual elements of your health you want to think about your health holistically and so you have to think about sleep and diet and exercise you can't just think about exercise or just think about sleep or whatnot um yeah isolated in that way i mean because if you try to figure out water by looking at hydrogen and then by looking at oxygen you would never come to the conclusion that these two things actually are water are liquid but because individually they're gas and right, invisible right. and you know what I mean so that's it's so when you sterilize it like you're saying isolate it things just change totally they yeah, or they can't I was thinking about the viruses and bacteria and stuff it's like I mean it, at least some research has been done recently on like the gut and there's been a renewed interest in understanding the microbiome of the gut and understanding how complicated and nuanced all these different bacterial relationships are within your gut 
And so it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, if you just have this one bacteria, that's good for you. It's like, no, you need like a bunch of different bacterias that have symbiotic relationships with one another and with you. And so I think that's a a better way, a more holistic way to approach health. And so I think that's the tendency sometimes in the medical establishment is to be a little too myopic or too focused on one thing in particular. Like, for instance, during the pandemic, you know, we didn't talk about hardly any other aspect of people's health seemingly in public. Uh, you know, there was little talk about sleep and exercise and diet. It was actively avoided. Like it was like posture postulated to the experts. And they were like, what's really important is of experimental gene therapy enforced into your arm and masks. And they were like, yes, okay. They were like, literally, they were like, we agree. Also, should we get vitamin D? We're not going to talk about, you know, it's like, that's fake news. And what they did to Joe Rogan, that was really, everyone saw that where they were like, Joe Rogan ate horse medicine. I'm like, Joe Rogan's worth $100 million. He certainly did not eat horse medicine. Like, he absolutely did. Like, of course he didn't. And then he said he didn't. And then CNN was like, no, he did. And then they showed the video of him talking about how he ate horse medicine, but he didn't. And then they turned him yellow. They like literally adjusted the video he posted to make him look sick. Like these are the people we're talking about. So you give, you like them and believe them to some extent. And I'm like, they're horrible people. They're awful, horrible humans. They're monsters. They're the real monsters that you should be worried about. Well, I don't know. I don't want to lump everybody into that category I know you don't, you don't want to talk bad about your yeah. friends I get it <laughs> look some people are definitely not making good choices but I also like to think about it in terms of choices like I don't think it's good on either side to sort of talk about people as irredeemably bad or irredeemably good I think that's the kind of thinking that really escalates the conflict and the bipolar dichotomy that we have in our polarized debates nowadays and I think that People on both sides tend to make that error. You categorize, you know, Fauci as like an irredeemable demon. You know, like Alex Jones would be like interdimensional space demon. And it's like, okay, there is no way forward. I mean, he's the highest. As a human he, species. He's the highest paid government employee. He has this tremendous responsibility. Let's just assume that that position actually deserves that paycheck. After you've lied repeatedly, admitted to lying, profited profusely over the protocols that you never shut up about. Okay, fine. You're not irredeemable, but you're certainly like you're certainly not in charge of this shit anymore. Sure. I like go away. You should lose a, you yeah. should lose respect. It's just consequence. Like if you're it's like if you find out the teacher of the daycare is a pedophile, you don't go, "Well, he's not irredeemable, so let's let him keep being a teacher in the daycare." It's like, "No. Time to go bye-bye. Like you're done." Let's cut that out. I don't want to say time to go bye-bye. I'm just saying at that point, <laughs> Look, you're done. I don't like, disagree with you. You have yeah, to be But removed. I think that, yeah, the only thing I have a problem with is being like moving away from saying he made some bad decisions in his particular position. He had a responsibility to do and say, you know, X and he failed in his obligations and made some bad choices. And now he has to face oh, the consequences. Man. That's a very. Some yeah. bad decisions. That's a very charitable explanation. Of what he did. Look, I... He made some... He had some lapses in judgment. Okay. Yeah. No, they are pretty egregious. And yeah, I just think, though, it doesn't help. I think when you're like, oh, it's so egregious. And then you can, like, run down the slippery slope. And then you're like, oh, he's all bad. And then the, the part that really scares me is because that's not 
far from that person should be destroyed. And if when once, once we get into that sort of thinking, that's the kind of thinking that's like genocidal thinking. You know, like that is really, really scary to me because then it's not just Andrew Fauci yeah. should be destroyed. It's multiple kinds of people, a, a type of person should be destroyed. And that is really dangerous. Yes, they're called despot murderers. They should be destroyed. That is scary. I don't like think he's you responsible. can say like because who who are the despot murderers? Okay, you know, okay, it's okay. like wait, let's let's back up. <laughs> let's back up. Then we I think I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Let's just focus on Anthony Fauci. He's such a good whipping boy, <laughs> or apparently friend. I don't know. So, what are you saying about him? Like, or what do you, maybe I should ask? What do you think I'm, I'm not saying? saying about him? We can talk about him all we want. I'm just concerned when people talk about the pandemic or the public health establishment and they say things like public health officials, like a categorical a category of person needs to be destroyed. Like those people okay. should die or something, which I have heard. And I think that some people even think that they're righteous in saying that. And I just think that that is a grave error because that's the same kind of error that people make on the other side when they're like, this type of okay. person should die. And I'm like, that only is going to escalate uh, the conflict okay. for everyone. And that is very, very scary. I think that the people, if so, if somebody out there said Anthony Fauci should be hung from a tree in downtown Washington on his own dime and that most of his money and resources should be stripped from him and his children. Let's just say people say that. I'm not saying that I disagree. In fact, I would I would guess, and I'm just guessing, it would be just. It would be holy and just. H-O-L-I. But I hear what you're saying, which is that that's dangerous thinking. And I do agree because you might be thinking that means that what we should do is mob together when i say we i mean those people that say that crazy thing about fauci they should mob together and go get him and do that to him but really it's just rhetorical it's rhetoric so what really should happen so we have a whole literally have a whole country that we live in that has an entire third of its operation and philosophy is correcting for that mechanism the mechanism being someone can do a bad thing and piss off the mob and the mob can get out of control and do some crazy stuff too. And also that can be true and the mob can be wrong. And that's scary. So you start going, that's like Nazi Germany, like Jews and banking, probably some bankers. And then, oh, wow, there's a lot of Jewish bankers and then that becomes over time through propaganda and whatever other mechanisms it's the jews you know and it's like it's clearly not the jews like that's a lot of people right right and some of well, them because are it's not a regular. person you're saying <laughs> you know? you're talking about an idea and then you're superimposing it onto people you're like people are this idea and you've identified the person as the idea and i think whenever you do that you strip the person of their humanity because then they're not a person to you they're just a category yes. they're just an idea to you so the third rung that i was talking about that third of our country it's called the judicial kind of branch like the law part you know and then we have all mm. these things like incorporated in that like you get a trial of with the jury of your peers 
and you have uh, the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, which is a, t- a tedious kind of notion because you also there's also the indictment process. Like you have to if you can indict somebody, there's a little bit of an assumption of guilt by some people. You know, someone thinks you did something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and our systems so it you know like you can be accused. In fact, you should be accused. That's actually that should happen. We do it a lot in weird ways here, but we also have way too many laws. But if we didn't have so many laws. This kind of like accusatory. Now let's let's get to the the facts, ma'am. Like that would actually be a good solid system, I think, because then you get to have your dang court. It's like, look, we say wrongs have been done. Let's really look at this. Like really, really look at this, and it won't ever be done. And that's I. That's where I stop. But some would continue on that line of thinking and go, if we're right, and that will never be looked at. Therefore, justice will never be done. What do people that aren't the highest paid government official get to do about it when mm-hmm. that guy can pull strings and mobilize essentially armies, police forces, governor? I mean, just boop, all he's got to do is go up there and tell lies, which he did, and then things happen. And you had a lot of different experiences. Like some people took it really seriously. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that's fine. And I, yeah, I think uh, people have the right to enact retribution in some way if they've been wronged or whatever and seek justice. And I think we have a system that tries to do that. It's imperfect. Um, But my question will always be, I think, is it the system that needs reform or is it the people in the system that need reform? Well, it's just like you were saying earlier, you have, you can't isolate it. You know, it's like, because you could look at one little piece of it and be like, it's the system. Or you could look at the person, but really it's the way the people are operating within the system. Right, yeah, yeah. And then, and and I think that, so I'm thinking of this in like mushroom terms, like it is becoming very meta for some reason. Because they're all, this is like also applies to like these people we're talking about and to viral theory and stuff and sure. all the points we're making. It's so you're talking down. about like when science, it's just all the way, it's very meta. So when you're talking about like the, what science likes to do almost like philosophically, you know, like isolate everything, sterilize mm-hmm. everything, even thoughts, people will be like, you know, philosophers will like sterilize their thought and like make a thought experiment where everything has to be the same except for this one thing, trying to figure that out, you know. And I think if you do do that, which they do, and we all do, then you will be wrong. Like at some point, maybe not on every point, but like you will be wrong at some point because just go outside in a in the right day, everyone's seen a mushroom growing, you know, like you just, they grow perfectly fine right there out in your yard. If you try to grow that mushroom, particularly like you go, I'm going to grow that mushroom in a jar, which can be done or on purpose or whatever. There's many ways to do that. But if you want to do it the most quote unquote, like scientific, you sterilize. Everything gets isolated. Everything gets sterilized. There's nothing in your work environment. And it has to be that way because if it's not things contaminate. So you like, you start with a Petri dish perhaps, and you put some of this mushroom culture in there, just, just the mushroom. But if any of any of the invisible dirt, or bacteria gets in your petri dish too from like the outside of the mushroom or anywhere or tagging along on the spore of the mushroom it could be their time it's everywhere you'll have contamination so you're trying to grow just the one thing but you'll grow two things 
And then just so happens that the nature of these two things side by side, one, the thing usually you don't want is going to outcompete the thing you do want, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which will cause a, like a basically a catastrophic failure, which in the outside world, that's less likely to happen. But you're not going to get the pure thing either. But you're kind of asking for an artificial thing. You're asking for some pure thing, but you're just not going to mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. So I've had, it's way easier to grow mushrooms just in a pile of mulch. And every now and then a, a random mushroom will come up and be like, how'd that get in there? Well, it just got in there. And every now and then like a fly will lay an egg or a worm, sure, get, you sure. know what I mean? You'll just have all sorts of things going on and that's reality. Right. But I, in an isolated way, if you just were looking at it, you go, this is just a thing that can't grow. It must only be able to grow in space. Where mm-hmm. there's nothing, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be just this one thing. And if it's not, all these other things just want to kill it. They just want to attack it and steal all of its shit. And that's true in that environment. But it's also true that science is cool in the way, in the fact that like, if you do it right, if you actually succeed, the difference between what you can produce in your yard and what you can produce in your lab, there's no comparison. In terms of your lab be much and- better quantity and yeah you can make sure. huge you can once you get it going you're like oh wow i've got the sterile bin of stuff that the mushroom is inhabiting and it's like you can start adding stuff to that and feeding it you know what i mean sure 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 well so i think yeah it's not all or nothing i think there's definitely a point to isolating things you want to you know remove confounding variables and study just one particular thing and really try to better understand that thing but then I think, yeah, that's not the end of the story. It's like, where does it come from? How do you understand it in context? Um, and what's its relationship to other things? Yeah, so you have to yeah. isolate it and then integrate it again. Like there should be an extra, it should almost be like part of the scientific process. Like we found this thing, which it's always being isolated. Like you said, like no matter what, that's why I thought what your point was, was really good. Like that's actually the thing I think about it that makes me interested in it. In anything, really, you know, any top the virus thing you mean? Well, the I- idea that you pointed out, which is oh, the like sterile science. We're always we're always mm. trying to like sterile because I was thinking in terms of like actual sterility. Well, yeah, that's one clear about example. The viruses, yeah. but that's also, but also just in the field itself, like that's just what we're doing, whether it's actually biology or philosophy, like something that's not physical that doesn't have an ability to be sterile but in like a meta way like it is sterile like we are trying to like take things out and pull them out and hold them in our hands and look at them for sure and then the conclusion of your observation is that like or that i take away is that you're probably going to be wrong if you do that you'll find a lot out that you'd never know otherwise but if you start making claims about yeah you'll overgeneralize you'll mess up big time yeah yeah, well, to the people thing, that's an interesting point. I think, yeah, you it's best, like you said, probably to look at people operating within the system. Because I think if you abstract the person away from the system, you can easily paint the person as just irredeemably bad, even though there may have been lots of misplaced incentives within the system that they were operating in that caused them to behave in you know, negative ways. But then the incentives themselves are not enough to constitute all people being bad. And that's the the worry that I have is people saying like, 
big medical or whatever, like everyone who works in the medical profession is bad. And I'm like, well, no, like a lot of people are drawn to the profession for great reasons and they want to help and they are trying to do good research. And, you know, it Mm -hmm. would be unwise, I think, for us to lump them all into one group and just say that, you know, these people need to, you know, all go or whatever. No, and I don't think that. I actually think the opposite approach. So when you're growing, culturing something in a Petri dish and you get contamination in it, you can usually see it. There's what I want on this half. And then I don't want it's right over here in the Petri dish. If you want to keep going with the what you're doing, one option is get a little bit of antibacterial or antibiotic powder and sprinkle it just on that bad stuff. Just on the bad stuff. You don't want to dump it on everything. You also don't want to have a vendetta against all living things and scorch the earth. Where did the contamination come from? It must have been from my finger. I'll cut my finger off. You know, there's other extreme ways, or you could just start punishing the bacteria that's can you know that's taking over your petri dish and just ruin everything. But I think if we left everything in context. You want to be targeted. Yeah, you yeah. leave it and try not to isolate it. You isolate it while it's still kind of in an environment. Yeah, and they're even trying to get there with like antibiotics today. Like we know that the antibiotics you take kill everything in your body, like all the bacteria, which is bad. So they're trying to create really targeted ones that just destroy, you know, the particular problematic bacteria at that point or something. Yeah, and I th- and people are resilient. But I think, so I think that the the analogy, which is getting too robust, so I'm just put it in plain English, like you take down Anthony Fauci, the best thing for this country as far as what just happened, the best thing we could do at this point with all the damage done is he needs to be put on trial and prosecuted and dealt with. However, that's done. I agree. There should shit. be a trial. We should see the truth, see the light of day, and there should be justice. Yeah. And if it really did come out, what that would do is, sure, it'll scare a lot of really prominent scientists. And it should. It should put the fear of God in you and recognize that you're accountable just because you wear a lab coat doesn't mean you don't like football. You know, it doesn't mean you're something other than human. Right. It you're doesn't just make a you person. God. Yeah. Literally nothing special about you at all. Nothing. You are just as cool as the guy that picks up my trash. So there's nothing about you that makes you any more revered. Nothing. You, you worship the God of science. So you think that about yourself and so do all your buddies, but no one else thinks that about you except for the people that you've confused. Mm-hmm. And given totally useless information to that does nothing for them. Because now that I know about all your germs and how terrible and scary they are, the rain is still rain. The chicken shit still isn't getting me sick. So whatever. Keep saying what you got to say. Because another thing I think that would come, there'd just be all these ancillary effects, I think, that would come through doing something like that. Then you would, okay, how about can we get the uh, hogtied other scientists who you threw in the dungeon can we get them out maybe they could talk again because i think they had some points and if you would have just let them speak we never would have got to this point we could have a little bit of healthy debate debate but you clearly didn't want that because you had an agenda my opinion but bring those people back out and actually let science debate the freaking topic like whether or not it's what it is well, or isn't sure just figure it out that's all we yeah, want i mean know. that's a good argument for free speech um And yeah, I think, I don't know about hogtied scientists, but they're definitely, I think we got this misperception that there's a scientific consensus on stuff that there is not a scientific consensus around. And even if there is a majority view, it can still be wrong and it should still be open to criticism. 
And so I think, yeah, you have to always. Yeah, you shouldn't take down their YouTube. Doctors that have YouTube channels have been removed from YouTube completely. And all their stuff right, is right. all, oh, be careful. They're lying. Here's a COVID-19. Like corporations are putting these things on there, warning you that what they're saying is probably wrong. It's like a full frontal attack on your own intellect. That's all that that is. It's, it is literally 100% emotional and, and psychological attempts at manipulation. That's all it is. Well, and it's, and it's benign because it's on the every episode of Joe Rogan where the word COVID-19 is uttered. And it's also on the video of the skinhead Nazi fascist who hates all people but white Aryans and thinks that viruses don't exist and Fauci should be strung up and hung. It's like, so they get the same warning. And then the doctors that completely got removed from, it's like, again, coincidence theorists versus co conspiracy theorists. The coincidence theorist is way more insane than this conspiracy theorist because the coincidence theorist just goes, it's amazing. All these horrible coincidences that that just turn out really, really well for a select few people, the same few people every single time just always happen and everyone else gets fucked. What a coincidence. Oh, well, it's like, no way, no way, no way. I don't know what's going on. I just know that that's the behavior of scared people. At, you know, censoring and all this stuff. Like, you're, what are you worried about? Like, let people say whatever they want. Who cares? Yeah. Well, I think you have to let people say whatever they want in order for us to get to the truth of anything. It's like we have to, you know, battle out on the stage of ideas and whatnot and debate things and get to the bottom of things and be open to criticism always because nothing is true forever. Um, truth has like a time bound in some sense like maybe you could say ultimate truth is true is the truth that is true forever but it's like i mean most things that are true today that you think of on a, on a general level are not going to be true in the future and are not we're not true in the past um and so yeah i think you have to be open-minded about that i just watched this whole epstein stuff i didn't know about all this I had been late to the party. Now Ben's going to defend his other set of friends, <laughs> oh people God. who visited Epstein no, Island. God, that was <laughs> really, really awful. Um, I was just saying that to your point that like there are definitely some people behind the scenes doing bad stuff. But I think one of the things that struck me about it is that I guess I'm not like a conspiracy theorist. Like people are conspiring. Everybody, it's all super coordinated. Everybody in power you know, is a part of a cabal that decides the fate of the world. I don't think that's true in most cases. Um, but Well, that term, conspiracy theorist, was developed by the CIA. They made that word so that when you heard it, it had all this stuff attached to it. But it's like a lot of conspiracy theorists are like, I don't say I'm a conspiracy theorist. I say it now because that's some – it's like colloquialized. But ultimately – conspiracy just means more than one person having a plan. Like if we meet up for lunch, we're conspiring mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. have a meal out somewhere at a single location. Like that's a conspiracy. And then you just tack this word theory onto it. And it's like, okay, so you just have a theory that more than one person knows about something, did something and benefited from it. Like that's not far, like to, to be like conspiracy. There's like, that's so obvious that that happens like that every time a bad thing happens at the hands of people it's like that except for 
the only times it's not, which is when it's just one person doing a bad thing. Like, it's not a crazy notion. It's just become crazy right. somehow. Well, yeah. I think uh, the thing that struck me, though, was like, you know, you have these people who are in power who seem to have very different interests than the people that they are supposed to be representing. And I think partly one of the things that struck me was their wealth difference. And so when you think about why do these people have such different motivations and goals and interests than these other people, one thing I thought was like, well, these people are just very different than most people. Like their whole life is like a completely different environment. You know, like they've never had to want for anything. If anything, they've lived a life of complete leisure and parties and, you know, meeting people and stuff. And so then you think, well, why are these people acting so different? It's like, well, their whole environment is different. And my thought was like, well, maybe, yeah, that's one good argument for reducing inequality in a society is you reduce the sort of large chasm between people's interests and desires and wants because, you know, the global elite who don't need anything don't want to make energy cheap and for you to buy a home and for you to be able to make a family. They've already got all those things. They want, you know, whatever they want, which is very different because those are not their immediate needs and wants. They already have those things. They don't have to worry about those things. Um, And so I thought that at a very basic level is probably just true. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of similar to like, you know, the medical establishment and whatnot that we were just talking about is like, I mean, a lot of these people are just in a completely different environment. Like when you think about the educational institution and whatnot, and it's like, you know, not to say that there's no benefit, but then it's like you can't just export these things directly to the regular population because they're living in a completely different environment and set of circumstances and dealing with different problems. Ex- export what thing? Like what things would you what? like? You can't export what kind of things? Well, when you say something like, you know, you come up with a theory in the university or whatever, or a idea about some medical intervention that you're going to have. And it may be well-intentioned, but the thing that good scientists will always say in academia is like, you're never accounting for the nitty-gritty, you know, in elements of real life, what people's actual lives outside of the ivory tower are like, outside of the experiment, um, the things that are going on that you didn't think about and whatnot. So anyway, I was thinking a couple things there, you know, one, like, yes, there are definitely people in power who are doing things uh, that are bad. Um, Two, maybe one reason, you know, they're bad is merely to say that they're misaligned with most people's wants and needs and desires. And that could be driven largely by the difference in wealth. And then three, that the things developed in that completely different environment don't export well to other environments like the ivory tower or the top of the social ladder down to the bottom rungs or whatever these people they're playing like these power games that's true it, or, but it also could be just sick people with too much power because you, well yeah, you know, yeah that's yeah. surprising and shocking on that level but at the same time you might find that in some like crack neighborhood or meth neighborhood some crazy shit going on you'd be like oh god of course those kind of you know those yeah. people you know, where it's like, well, it's they're doing it, too, but they're just doing it with a billion dollars in their back pocket. And it looks different for some reason. Right. They could be sick. <laughs> but I think it gets yeah accentuated by, you know, their sickness, because then it's like when you already when you have a lot of money, you don't need to have a well-functioning social relationships and a social contract with other people. And this could be true. This is kind of what I was thinking about the medical establishment. It's like it's similar in the sense that a lot of these people have so much status and power that 
they don't need to appeal to the common person and form mutually productive social relationships like you do when you are actually dependent on other people in a community. So it's like one of the reasons why I don't treat everyone around me like shit is because I actually depend on those people. Like I want to form a reciprocal social relationship with them where they do something for me, I do something for them. You know, it's like why I don't treat the people at the coffee shop like shit. You know, it's like I really appreciate that they're there making that coffee. I didn't have to do that. You know, I want to pay them well and I want to tip them and I want them to keep, you know, showing up and running the coffee shop. You know, it's very different when it's like nothing that you could do would I ever need. And that coffee shop is trying to give you good coffee too. Like you like it for a reason and you don't want them to change that. Like I'm paying you because I think your coffee is the best. Please don't try to fuck me over by getting a shittier coffee because so many people now love it, you know, because you don't want to do even that, which doesn't doesn't necessarily in some people's mind have to. And that's a single party decision, but it's not when you're in that relationship where it's like, well, I have to keep I could make more, but I've got to keep making this good coffee that costs me a lot more to make because I think I think that's what these people want. That's I think that's why they're giving me this money. I even think that even in a, it's a capitalistic thing, but like it's also part of the relationship in my mind, because I've patroned places for that reason and then stopped patroning them because of a like a change you know that they made that looked very much like oh you're just trying to do something now. like you're just everything's gone to shit it's not good anymore you did something different i don't know it's got to be for more money or something but i don't like it anymore and so i'll walk away because yeah. it felt like a relationship to me and now it's not yeah no i mean it feels like one large prisoner's dilemma to me which is maybe like one of the fundamental social dilemmas is you could just think about the prisoner's dilemma being like a mutually reciprocal social relationship where I serve you, you serve me, but maybe each of us has personal incentive to serve ourselves, you know, serve our own best interests at the expense of the other person. But if we do that, we know that that will end our mutually reciprocal relationship or it will make it very difficult to continue it and repair it. Yeah, lots of the prisoner dilemmas are like kind of like a riddle and they're a riddle because there's like this factor. There's something that you are not going to know before you make your decisions that could affect everything. Right. And the thing to me, the solution to the prisoner's dilemma is always time. The reason why you would end up in the good outcome where you both serve each other is because it's a repeated game over a long time horizon. The short-term strategy is to cheat and serve your own best interests. And that only makes sense if you're not going to keep seeing this person or interacting with them. But the long-term strategy is work with that person and you'll both be made better off over the long term. And so what I see, you know, if we have a more and more short-term oriented society, I think we run the risk of ending up in the bad prisoner dilemma outcome where people, you know, cheat and invest in their personal incentives. And I mean, you can think about that in so many social contexts, like dating is one, you know, you oftentimes when people are young and everybody relates to this, I think when you like dating people, it's like a lot of it's just about you, you know, you end the, the social relationship that's mutually beneficial for your own personal interests, you know, and then you go and and, and see someone else or whatever. And partly that's because of the short-term nature of your relationship. And you're like, we're not going to have a long-term relationship. And so it's sort of like, actually, the time horizon of your relationship is partly what's driving this negative social behavior. And I think that that's what I was thinking, too, a little bit about these people with power and whatnot. It's like, these people, they only serve for a short amount of time. One, which is like, maybe they should serve for longer. I don't, you know, there's 
pros and cons, one con would be that it would incentivize them to maybe do things in their own personal interest. Which is part of the dile- the dilemma, the prisoner dilemma. Like those are options. I've Maybe people don't know what that is, but it's literally like you're being interviewed. There's two, you, Paul and John and Paul are the prisoners. And if one rats on the other, then they don't have to do any time. Now, if they both don't rat, they still still both go to jail for two years. If John rats and Paul doesn't, John's going to go free. Paul's going to get 10 years and then vice versa. But if right. they both rat, they both get five years. So it's like the two middle options being only one of them goes against the other. There's a possibility that you actually get to go free. And that's actually the best outcome for you possibly. But I guess so now, now your time horizon thing might make sense. So down the road, do the middle options really serve you? You got off free, but exactly. I mean, what do they say? Snitches get stitches, right? You know? Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. What happens when Paul gets out or whatever? Does he come get you? Yeah. <laughs> or or, you, or you get to go free, but everybody goes, I'm not doing business with this guy because he'll rat you out. You know, anything, who, whatever. Yeah. So there's yeah. definitely. Or your conscience eats at you. And the prisoner's dilemma is a philosophical thought experiment and it's sterilized. It's taken out of other factors on purpose, but those factors in application actually still apply. Once you put it into practice, there is a time horizon or there are things that matter beyond just what you think you've isolated in your thought experiment. Right, right. And that's the thing I was thinking. So the second part of that, like how it applies to people in power is like, because of your large social network and influence, like you don't actually, and because of your money, you don't need long-term relationships with anyone. You can have a unending string of short-term relationships with an unlimited number of people essentially now. And so you're never invested in any particular relationship for the long-term, which means you never have that long-term incentive. And that is a luxury that most people do not have. Like when you are poor and you live in a, a small community, you can't F people over because those are the only people in your community that you're going to encounter. And if you screw them over, there's going to be huge social consequences for you. Where people in power, I don't think, face that dilemma. If you screw someone over, it's like, whatever, I'll just buy new friends. You know, it's like it doesn't matter to you. Right. Well, and that's a byproduct, I think, if you think about, like, if you're a billionaire, I love thinking (laughs) this about them, too, because it makes them very human. Because if you're a billionaire, do you know what that means? It means you love money. Like, you love it, you know? Bill Gates should go home. Fill your swimming pool with liquid gold <laughs> do whatever you've got there's nothing else to do you know like and i don't buy this whole like i'm a philanthropist trying to save the world bullshit but if you do that's fine but it se- it turns out that every philanthropic endeavor he goes on profits him tremendously to the tune of millions and billions of dollars let's face the facts people People who are super duper rich love money. They're super duper rich because they love money because they do. That's what they want. So it's not just that I can buy new friends. It's that I will because I don't actually care about the friends. I care about the money. It is kind of weird. Like I find myself in a decent social position relative to some of my peers. Social or economic? Sorry, economic. Yeah. I mean, socioeconomic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have a good job and... I'm able to afford what I need and more. And so, you know, I'm doing well. And, you know, my friend asked me recently, they were, she works for a nonprofit and she was trying to get, 
She was like, can I have $1,000? Well, they were trying to buy this software and get some work done. And they were like, oh, we need to hire someone to help us do this. And I just said, you know, I'll do it pro bono. I care about what you're doing. I want to support you. And I don't need any money to do this. And that's how I... That's how... That's how... <laughs> wait. <laughs> that's how I view it. You know, I just... I don't need the extra money. And to her, it would be a big... And to her organization that she works for, it would be a big sacrifice. And so there's like people at the top where I kind of wonder that. I'm like, why aren't you doing some of this pro bono? Like, isn't isn't your time the most valuable resource? Like your time and attention really the most valuable thing to other people? Wouldn't it benefit you? I've felt that way lots of t- Like when I worked for that other guy, it was a private business, very, very private. So it wasn't like there was no real corporate anything. It was just him. And I was like, I'll pay for half this thing. Like there'd be a thing, you know, we need it. And I thought this would really make a difference. Like, and he's like, ah, it's a lot of money though. And it's like, yeah, I know. But if I paid for half of it, would it be like, we need the Like it will help me. It will help you. It will, will make both more money. I mean, everything would just be fine. You could just pay me back. Like, I think it's going to be okay. Like, I think I would do it. It is odd when people, but I don't know why don't they, you know, what is that? Is it because it's like, no, it's corporate's job. I mean, you know, who at a certain level, I don't know what you think. I don't know how you think when there's nobody else up Above there, you, you know, yeah. like I'm here, mm. like I'm at in the echelon at the top. So what do you, what are your thought process? Then you're like, maybe it's because you're always the, you're always the guy that's supposed to be mm. doing that. Like, so if I, you know, I don't know, or maybe not though. Cause I mean, i feel like, well, I've been, I wasn't at the top, but it was like, I was number two. So I was kind of at the top. Yeah, I was making a fraction of what the owner was making, but I'm also not making expense expenditures. You know, I don't know is what I don't know what's going on. That's odd. It is odd, especially when there's people that will do like you did that are not even related to it, except for just I've got a friend, right? And you're willing to do it. So and you're probably not making what the guy who <laughs> should be doing it is making. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I guess one thing it made me think of is like, why isn't there more servant leadership? You would think if like you are at the top of society, it's like, well, then because there's no one above you, no one telling you how to act, how to be, what to do. It's like you have to be the model of how people should act. And that's a large responsibility. And yeah, I just I feel like it's concerning to me that you don't see a lot of servant leaders. Not to say that there aren't any. Where does that idea even come from? service leaders like i feel like that's such a important concept like even if we still lived in like feudal times like if you had a good lord laird you know over your and you're just a whatever they called like a peasant if your lord is like cool then you like him probably you know you're not trying to like chop his head off and stuff he's like oh you yeah, okay, well, a lot this much more land to you because that'll help everybody. You know what I mean? Or you just want to be liked. You don't want them to chop your head off. Right. Well, or revolt. You want them to do your bidding. You know what I mean? It has yeah. to be that way, even though they have the quote unquote power in that particular situation. Maybe, maybe this is it. The ruler notices if I don't do this, I'm fucked. You know, like my buddy down the road, Lord O'Connor, just got all his stuff stolen and all his. <laughs> Peasants, whatever they, you know, all his subjects just went out and dispersed into different territories. And and now yeah, he's nothing, got, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the monarchs used to get their heads chopped off all the time. And sometimes, most of the time, 
it was the French and it was the French peasants that were chopping the heads off. You right. Know? No, and that's kind of, yeah, back to the point we were just making. It's like there's either the short game or the long game. And I think being the tyrant and exercising force and control is the short game. And that will, you know, allow you to keep things at bay for a while. But it's a short game. It's not going to work out in the long term. Eventually, you'll piss people off. People will get tired of you. You know, you can't keep a lid on things forever. Um, and the long game is the mutually reciprocal relationship, you know, and I think that's the good king is like the good king serves his subjects. And he is sort of an image of when you've been given much, a lot will be asked of you. He is right. the symbol I, of that, yeah. you know. I used to say that I would be fine with because I used to be very like, oh, I'm an anarchist. Oh, I'm a libertarian. Oh, I'm an anarchist. Oh, this, I'm capitalist. I'm this, I'm that. Then I came to the conclusion that I would be fine with anything if it were just a moral structure. Mm. It could be moral in any way, you know, in any way. Like I can imagine a monarchy that's fine. I can imagine technocracy that's fine. And I think certain ones have... So a technocracy is more risky. It bottlenecks. Single points of failure exist, and there's no check and balance. It's harder to check and balance that. It's a lot easier to check a monarch. Things can crumble a lot easier, and the basic way to maintain it is to just be cool. Right. Well, it's easy to point to someone. You know, it's like, it's the monarch. Yeah, and sometimes it's probably really stressful because there's probably a lot of times where shit's just going bad. Like you have a drought or a famine or something, and you just blame mm -hmm. the monarch mm -hmm. because who else are we going to blame? You know, right, right. and if the monarch, the so at that point, the monarch, if you want to save your head, maybe what you have to do is basically empty your coffers and give these people what they need. And that's a big ask when you've got to basically bring yourself down to a certain level right. to these people's to level, humbled, just yeah. to be, if you want to maintain the position. And if you do want to maintain the position at that point where you don't have a lot of the things, the accoutrement that come along with that, then that probably means you don't actually care about the people or your domain. But if you did that, it'd be because you cared about your domain. Why else would you want to maintain power in that system anyways? Unless it was like, no, this is, I have to do this for us or we won't be a thing anymore. Yeah. You have to be a servant to the people and you play this role of responsibility, like the image of what a responsible citizen looks like because money and power and whatever status in life, it always is corruptible. You know, it like can always has the potential to corrupt right. you. And so you have to like rise above that. I look at a lot of people today and I don't, and not that there are none, like I'm, there are definitely some people who are good examples of this, but there are not a lot of examples where we have like, at least in the United States, public people who have made a lot and have also demonstrated a strong strength of character well you have like ron paul's and stuff like that that some and when they do arise like weird shit happens to them you know like they win the mm. iowa caucus which almost always determines the republican front runner if not the president and then mm. they report that somebody else won it even though he you know it's like a coincidence i think not and i think part of that is that we have systems and institutions and people get so confused about what those are like they think they're people or they think they're more than an idea i like to say mm -hmm. they're letterheads you know it's like it's nothing so but it somehow it protects people that you can hide behind an institution you know 
You can like, yeah. that's why like a company can just, oh, we'll just swap out the CEO. It's okay. Oh, we're sorry. We're sorry about that bad thing we did. We fired somebody. It is interesting. They don't incur the reputational damage that individuals can incur. It's like they're sort of immune because they're the average of all the people in it. It's like they they never have seemingly stellar reputations over the long term, but they never sort of go to the lows of like an individual who's really it makes, messed yeah, up. It makes me think of like war games, you know, like you can like in war in like a gentleman's war, at least like you can be the leader of a whatever. And then you can also surrender. And that means like, hey, stop shooting at me. Okay, we're probably going to lose. We don't want to die. That comes along with the assumption that you're actually going to let me not die. Like, I can throw this flag out this window and you'll stop shooting. I'll stop shooting. And you can come take it. Whatever. You know, whether it makes us a prisoner or what, there's like a stop there. You know, there's a, Mm. it's a game though, you know, kind of, because it's like, it's both, both guys are rich guys leading either one, either side. You know, they both got an army. They both got whatever they've got. And it's like, okay, 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 you win, you win. (laughs) You know, when they used to capture like generals and stuff, like they'd put them up, you know, they would like hang out sometimes. They knew each other half the time, especially you think of like civil war times. Of course they did. They were all the elite of the same country, you know, some of them probably hated each other, but that's normal. So sometimes you have some betrayal and some murder, but a lot of times it's probably like, okay, we win next game. And I think that's why war, the people's, have a less and less it seems like a taste for war over the course of history it's like okay you guys are just playing games and we're just your pawns and a lot of times we die we don't want to do that anymore like we're kind of wise to this and we don't have any fealty to you because we're so separate now yeah if you care about it enough you march at the front of the exactly battle, you know which that like, used to be a basic requirement that used to be how it was that's the honorable king you know that's the one who's leading the charge in battle i mean it's like in every story, the king is always the one at the front of the battle because it's a holy war. You know, like that's what makes it holy. It's virtuous because the king is willing to sacrifice. Because he believes in it too. Yeah, he'll he'll go die, and if the king falls from his horse, a lot of times it's all over at that point. Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's so symbolic because the king has everything to lose. Like the king has the farthest social position to fall from, but also he loses his kingdom. He loses everything. The whole empire goes kaput if the king falls. And you know that about the king. That's a huge message to sacrifice. Whereas in our modern day times, we don't see the king never falls. That's the problem. Will fall, but you people never fall. Like no matter what. So like the president, we've been in war for 40 years 30 years, 30, a long time. Who knows? Yeah, I don't even know. Presidents don't, okay, maybe you say JFK, maybe, but yeah, we just don't, we just, I think that makes people a lot of things, less patriotic, less willing to fight for anything. It makes people say things like America's the worst. Yeah. Because you, you lose touch of what it even is, you know, like, well, what is it? It's just, we're just living here now, you know, like this is, I don't want anyone here. That's going to like yeah, change it. Yeah, we don't it. have anything to fight for. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. weird. No, we're in an identity crisis as a country, I think. And uh, yeah, and I think the people who have been given a lot, a lot is being asked and not a lot is being given. I think a lot of people in power are off-shouldering their responsibilities. Not that everyone is, but, and that doesn't mean like, 
they're not doing their taxes or they're not, you know, like whatever you might on a benign level think. I mean, like, they're not being honest. They're not being people of integrity and, you know, defending truth and defending the people who can't defend themselves and standing up for the people that need standing up for. You know, like, that's the kind of leadership that we need. And I've noticed, you know, there's like, we talked a little bit about this on another episode, but a lot of youth existentialism and a lot of, you know, young people are very worried and like, I mean, it's kind of disturbing now. Some young people are not even identifying as people. Like some young people think it preferable to identify as animals now, Mm. which is crazy. But just to say that I think partly what's going on is there's a heavy burden that they feel and older people who are supposed to be the elders in society, the ones showing us the way and carrying the responsibility and being the example are telling young people, look, this whole global warming mess, the whole earth, it's effed and you have to fix it. It's on your shoulders and we're not going to do, we messed it up, but you know, it's your responsibility to fix this. And whether or not that's true, that's an incredibly heavy burden to tell young people and to be like, this is all your responsibility and you need to fix this. And by the way, I'm just going to go sit at my mansion on my yacht um, and ride off into the sunset. You know, it's like, of course, young people are deranged. Like, you've completely neglected them. Yeah, I totally see that factor. It's like the place where the like all encompassing idea of like an all encompassing uh, conspiracy, you know, of global control falls apart. Because I think I actually think it's pretty complicated couple things happen so like the elite keep coming from the same places the same institutions and we don't know what's going on in those places so the cultural decay i think comes into those places at a slower rate that's where the conspiracy maintains some power and some like the conspiring factor is that like some people are do have more information they do have a little bit better of an idea of what's going on they are doing things behind the scenes. They know they're doing it and you don't. That's like a very top sliver. But I think that those kind of people exist in like the the regular world, the real world to some extent. And even they don't know what's wrong with their children half the time. They don't know how to stop. Right. You know what I mean? They don't know how to stop sad, what's going yeah. on. And they don't even realize that they themselves have been a victim of the cultural decay in the previous generation. And then now this generation. So at some point, Mm, the fact mm -hmm. remains like the, your parents, our parents, they'll die. And then we're the top age bracket, therefore maturity level, therefore hopefully success bracket, you know, all of those things influence bracket, but we're, as the generations go on, you have like more just dumber and dumber people basically running things. And that, I think is to some extent it's it's like maybe not natural but it's like an invasive species like someone might have thrown like the, the seed blind leading the blind yeah well someone kind of like threw the seeds out yeah i mean it could be cultural decline and that's definitely probably part of it i guess i think that culture can be rediscovered at any point because you can always discover in the span of a lifetime what it takes to form long-term functional social relationships anyone that opportunity is open to you And I think that's sort of back to our other point. It's like, however, you're less likely to find that and figure that out when you're engaged in a bunch of short-term relationships, short-term endeavors, as we know that, you know, a 
elites and higher, you know, socioeconomic status people tend to be. Um, and so, yeah, I think the people at the bottom of society who are mostly engaged in smaller communities with longer term social relationships are forced to find out what the structure of those things is like what needs to be in place in order to have well-functioning long-term social relationships I mean, are we at the bottom and then it's easy like are we in that group? i think so okay. i mean I, think, I didn't know if we were I included think, in there you know like everybody but the top one percent you know or zero zero in america zero, or whatever yeah yeah like the people actually you know in charge and in power i think you know those people legitimately do not know what the structure of long-term well-functioning social relationships is. And so it's easy for people like the masses to criticize them and be like, what are you doing? Like, this is not right. Like, this is not how you form well-functioning social groups. And I think to them, like to the elite, it like literally just doesn't even compute. Like they have no idea. Like they've never had long, you know, term meaningful social relationships. Yeah, they never had to make them. They've always been privileged, you know. Yeah. If you only knew how much good I've done for the field of virology and our God, <laughs> science and Satan, you would understand, but you're just a peon and you can't possibly, so we know what's best. That's how it goes. Right, right. Yeah, they're totally disconnected. Oh, oh.